Our scripture today is from Ephesians 3, verses 1 through 13. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given, to, given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. This is the word of God. Thank you, Kim. Man, it is good to be together. This is our sixth Sunday as a church, so I think that we'll, um, you know, like it's when uh, you talk to a mother and they're like, yeah, my baby is like 82 months old or something. Like, <laughs> after a while, you switch to talk about it in a different way, but we're still in the talking about it from different weeks perspective. Um, let me get this up a little bit. The... Um, one of the things, too, we have mentioned that we were going to launch community groups. Uh, we've been talking about that, about launching groups uh, the second week of October. Uh, just an FYI, we've decided to let that women's group be, uh, and we're going to do a, a guys thing and stuff, so we're trying to figure out, like, if our insurance will let us shoot guns and stuff. So, so we're trying to get, get a little bit of research before we uh, commit to some things. But um, around, so November 1st, so then the beginning of November, we'll do just kind of a, a ladies and a guys thing, and then that'll be kind of like a community kickoff, uh, then uh, having our community groups start right after that. And so what I'm kind of talking about is that we'll have a group, so we gather on Sundays here, uh, then we come together scattered into our communities to live out the one another's of Scripture, to study the Bible together, to eat together, uh, to pray together, to just have fun together. And so we're going to have a group starting uh, in Collins, so we'll have a Collins group. We'll have a group starting in Baxter, so Kurt, uh, who prayed for the men, uh, him and his wife Jill Lynn are going to lead our Baxter group. Uh, then we'll have a group in Maxwell as well that's kicking off. So during the week, we'll have three different groups initially that are meeting to do all those things. And you know, there's a place inside of me that, like, doesn't want to be known. Like, I was in a tree stand several times this week, and I was just like, hey, this is nice. I'm by myself. No one can, you know, I'm up high. I'm, like, tethered to a tree. What's better than that, you know? And, uh, but there's something deeper inside of me, though, that's like, um, actually, I want to be known, like, deeply, and I want to know other people deeply as well. And, uh, and so, even though Sometimes I, I work against that, but like I, I need this, I want this, and there are several people in this room even that can testify, and uh, we could have let Ian just go on and on about how the Lord has used 
uh, community groups in his life, in my life, I know in TJ and Kaylin's lives, and just kind of uh, the story is true for many people of, of an incredible place to grow together. Um, and so what we want to take a little bit more time to lay this foundation, when our groups launch, though, I just encourage all of us to just to be like crazy all in with our groups. Like, I can't tell you how many times Patty and I, I think in Oklahoma City, we had a group that met almost 200 times in our house. And there were many times where it was like, man, I would just love to veg out tonight. Like, you know, this new season dropped on Netflix and I'm only halfway through it. You know, I started last night and I'm halfway through it, you know, and like I could wrap it up tonight. Um, But like to actually have the rhythm of life where we're actually locking arms with each other in living rooms and uh, reaching out together uh, to our community and, uh, and actually like saying no to the lesser things, to say yes to, to better things of coming together and the impact that that has for our lives, our kids' lives, our walk with Jesus. And so um, hopefully next week we'll have like those initial times like, hey, the Collins group's going to be Tuesday nights uh, starting the second week in November. The, the Maxwell group's going to be this. And to let you know, too, what we're going to do is just take a shot at a night and just say, like, okay, let's have the Maxwell group meet on this night. And if you live in Maxwell and uh, you've prayed and you're like, just like, yeah, I'm all in with the Maxwell group, but that night doesn't work for me. One of the things that we're hoping is that, that we'll find, like, a good night that works for everybody. And so, like, none of that's written in stone. It's like, yeah, let's come together. And if everybody's like, hey, Thursday doesn't work, we're all here on Thursday, but Tuesday works good for all of us, then we move it to Tuesday. And so, hoping, Lord will that we'll be able to, to dive into all this. Um, with the book of Ephesians, um, this week it struck me. Um, I was walking around the orchard um, and just enjoying all that's orchard and all that's apples and stuff, and I was just thinking of the Word of God for this area, and I just want to say, like, I feel as Kurt felt the power of the Spirit moving in our midst um, this morning as we worshiped him, I've felt that, that it, there too, but also in, the, in his word being preached here. Um, and it's not because of me, but I've felt like these passages that we're going through from Ephesians, almost like they're dispatched from like the shores of heaven, like midweek, to be like, here's a message for Sacred Mission Church in Collins that's like fresh off the press. I mean, it feels that way to me as we go into this. And it's like, I know uh, my brain tells me that this was written in Greek over 2,000 years ago. I even had to learn Greek in seminary to make it through. And I I even had to translate this book into English, uh, which was not as good as we're reading in the ESV. And I stumbled through it. But that was 15 years ago. And I don't feel like, I feel like Ephesians is so much fresher to me uh, and to us and to our community um, as, as I've experienced before. And, and I'm just going to ask the Lord to make that happen today, if that's okay, too. So, Lord, we look to you. Um, to your, your word is so cutting edge. It cuts even into our souls. And you are good. You want what's best for us. And, Lord, I just ask that these 13 verses... Uh, would not turn our world upside down, but would turn our world right side up. Show us who we are. Show us who you are. Open our eyes to all the treasures that we have in you or all the treasures that you're inviting us to step into. Make it real in this place for your glory, we pray. Amen.
Verse 1, chapter 3 in Ephesians says this. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. He had been sitting in prison for three years. A prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery, this mystery of Christ, is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. This question that Paul brings up here, uh, and that we're going to bring up this morning, is have you heard the mystery of Christ? So he's assuming that you've heard of this mystery. And like, let's not assume this. Have you heard the mystery of Christ? There was a large amount of history, the entire Old Testament, there's a, a large amount of history where a lot about God was concealed. Not confusing, but concealed. It was, it was concealed. There was a lot more to the story. God wasn't distant. He, he wasn't far away. That's why it was concealed. No, he was near. He was very close. You can read in the Old Testament his mercy, his grace, his intimate, loving, patient relationship with God's people, yet there was still a lot that was concealed. So here's, I'm going to give four categories. Things that were concealed about God, things that were concealed about creation, things that were concealed about the fall of humanity, things that were concealed about redemption, okay? Things that were concealed about God. So before hearing of this, before hearing of the mystery of Christ, this is what we knew. We knew there was one God. All day long, I mean, De Deuteronomy 6.4, the, the little kids of God's people grew up knowing, knowing, knowing. How many gods are there? 22. Nope, not 22. There's one God. There is only one God. There has ever, Isaiah 40 is very clear, nothing, no one existed before God. Nothing came before God. There has always been an eternal God, and our God is one. That was, there's a lot concealed inside of that that we didn't know, weren't ready for. About creation, before hearing of the mystery of Christ, we only knew that God created everything in six days, and then he rested. Our one God created everything, and then rested. The fall, before hearing of the mystery of Christ here, that Paul's saying, you've heard this, right? You've heard the mystery of Christ. As it related to people, we knew that Adam had sinned, Eve had sinned, we knew that there was a law that was going to need to be put into place. And the law, this was a realization throughout time as people tried to fulfill the law. David said it was his pleasure to try to fulfill the law. But as people tried to fulfill the law, Scripture actually says that God's people became known as a stiff-necked lot. A stiff-necked lot of people. And you can see the book of Judges, these cycles of repentance and then falling again. And so we see, that, we see that in the fall, but there's a lot concealed there. As it relates to redemption, before hearing of the mystery of Christ here, we only knew of redemption through the grace of God in giving us this law. 
So how was he going to redeem his people? Giving us the law, giving us the sacrificial system. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. And so the sacrificial system was given, uh, not because God cared about animals being sacrificed, but because he was trying to communicate to us how huge our sin was and how death was actually needed like in a way that a seed has to die before a tree can take root, that, uh, that something needed to die in order for us to have life. And in, this, uh, in redemption, we saw a concealing of something where there was, there was more to the story. And even the people, this is crazy, even the people who were writing the Old Testament always knew that there was something around the corner it's like God allowed them to write up to here, and they always knew, man, there's, there's more. There's something mysterious over there that we know is gigantic, but we don't know what it is. Uh, look at 1 Peter 1, chapter 10. It'll be up here. Uh, you can turn to that um, if you have Bibles or phones. But um, 1 Peter 10, 1, starting in verse 10. Concerning this salvation, so this is Peter writing this. Concerning the salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully. So picture that in your mind. Prophets in the Old Testament are writing, and then after they're writing, they're like, huh, what does this mean? Wow. Like they are searching, they're inquiring carefully, inquiring, verse 11, what person or time the Spirit in Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. And remember, Christ here is not Jesus' last name. Christ is the Messiah, the one who's coming. So they don't know Jesus, but they just know that there's a Messiah coming, and they're writing about him. They're writing about his suffering. They're writing about his glory, but it's concealed. They can't see with clarity. Verse 12, it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you. So when they were writing that, it was like, hey, this isn't for your time. You're serving some people who are going to come later. They're serving us. In the things that have now been announced to you, through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, then check out this, things into which angels long to look. So you see like a crazy, big, scary that when they're visible, it makes people like lose total control of their bodies. And you see these huge angels, like I just picture them like over the shoulder of Isaiah being like, Oh my gosh, guys, look at this. Look what's getting ready to happen. Like, I mean, even angels were longing to look into, and they have a, a relationship with God. They're the only other beings that are conscious that they're conscious, uh, like humans are. Um, but uh, at the same time, we see here that even angels are longing to look into uh, these things that the Old Testament prophets are writing about, are marveling about are wondering about. The angels are marveling about it. The angels are wondering about it. And that's why there's so much excitement in Ephesians 3, 5 to be able to proclaim this, which was not made known to the sons of men and other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. So these people who are writing the New Testament, these people who are communicating these things, it's like the mystery is made known. And Paul's question is, you've heard this, right? 
I want to make sure everybody hears this. You know, and there are times like when you get engaged or something and you're like, have you heard? You know, you don't even have to say like, heard what? It's like, well, you obviously haven't heard if you have to say heard what, right? And uh, it's just like, have you heard? And this is like, Paul's like, you've heard, right? What was concealed is now revealed. Incomplete knowledge of God, creation, fall, redemption is now complete. So let's return to God. So we now know, yes, God is one. There is one God. Jesus reaffirmed that. But now what's revealed is our God is Trinity. And we won't have known this until the mystery starts revealing that we do have one God who exists as three persons. In Jesus, Colossians tells us, the fullness of deity dwells. The Holy Spirit sent to us that Kurt was saying, man, we feel his presence like he is here to convict the world of sin, to empower us as he gifts us to operate as a church. He gives us gifts. He, he, he changes our hearts uh, towards the things of God. And we wouldn't have known any of that until it was revealed what had been concealed. Creation. Yes, God made everything in creation. But in John chapter 1, we hear more details. John chapter 1 actually says that nothing that exists, nothing made, there's nothing that's made that was not made by Jesus. So we actually see that the second person of the Trinity, so we see more details that the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, is the one that, that is creating. And so, so as he didn't just show up on a hillside to be hung on a tree, he wasn't born at Christmas time. That's not like when Jesus like first began was at Christmas time. Instead, when he hung on that tree on a hillside, he made the hillside. He designed the tree. He made the people who yelled crucify him. And he was still there because he was there with a purpose. The fall. We now see that the fall is actually so deep that we are utterly incapable of fulfilling the law. So it's not like, yeah, give me the law, I'll fulfill it. Only one can do that, and he did it. That's what Jesus came, was to fulfill the law. Your sin, my sin, is of such magnitude against a holy God that earlier in this letter, as we read in our confession, we're described as dead in our trespasses and sins. So if you think you aren't that bad, if you think your sin isn't so bad, if I think that, man, I'm, I'm kind of just, I just need tweaking a little bit, I haven't heard. I haven't heard if I'm thinking that way. We had no idea that God himself was going to come. No idea. No one could imagine that that was the mystery, that that was what was around the corner. No one could imagine what the plan was. Just because you're familiar with the story, just because we've heard it, we can't feel like, oh, that's ho-hum, that's familiar, I've heard that before, let's move on to bigger things. You can't move beyond something that's bigger than this, which is the mystery of Christ. Look at verse 6. Verse 6 then focuses on this one aspect of this mystery. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. The work of Jesus, which was a mystery for millennia, for millennia, was of such magnitude that people that were known as outsiders are now known as heirs. They're inheritors of the promise. You know, like, I mean, people inherit land all the time around here. But you don't think of, like, yeah, this, this kid in San Francisco inherited all of this. You'd be like, who is he? How did he get access to this? He's an outsider. And it's like, yeah, that's the mystery is that 
those who were so far that they, it wasn't even comprehensible that they would inherit. They inherited the riches of God that he has for us. Ephesians is so clear here that it's being in Christ Jesus through the gospel, which, which means through the good news that everyone hearing these words has heard the mystery of Christ. That's the mystery of Christ. So my question for all of us, have we heard the mystery of Christ? Have you heard it? Are you familiar with it? And if your answer is no, it doesn't mean you're dumb. If the answer is no, like Paul is saying, like, good, let me tell you about the mystery of Christ. It's not an accident that you are in the cafeteria of a school in Collins, Iowa right now. The Lord wants you here because he's transforming this room into a sanctuary of his presence so that you would hear the mystery of Christ. I'm good at hearing, but not really hearing. Like, I think I'm getting pretty good at, like, my kids saying things. And as they're saying things, I think I know exactly when to say, "Uh uh-huh. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Really? And then they walk away, and it's like, I have no idea what they were saying. No idea. No offense, sweetie. Um, Except for you. Except for you. I don't do that with you. I do that with Silas and Grace. But... uh, (laughs) But so Paul isn't just like, did those syllables go through your ears? His question is, have you heard of the mystery of Christ? Then look at verse 7. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, which Paul was so racist towards the Gentiles. And now he is boasting that he's able to preach to them the unsearchable riches of Christ. And verse 9, to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So now, like, Paul doubles down and doesn't just say, have you heard the mystery of Christ? But now he says, have you seen it? Do you see the mystery of Christ? Look how he says, like, in hearing words preached, look, look how he does this. Verse 8, to me, though I'm the very least of all the saints, this grace was given, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So they are hearing something, Right? So they're hearing with their ears, and then he says, to bring to light for everyone was the plan of the mystery hidden for ages. So Paul could almost say, have you heard the light? (laughs) Because what's happening is as they're hearing with their ears, their heart is seeing in faith the mystery of Christ that was poured out on them. And it's amazing that God uses preaching in such a way like this. Uh, It's through the preaching that Paul communicates the unsearchable riches of Christ. He doesn't say, like, you have to pay an amount of money. You have to do a certain amount of penance. Uh, Like, I mean, that would exclude people. That would exclude people in developing countries to be able to respond to Jesus. But instead, he just says, would you respond to these words? Not that the words are magic, but that, that you responding say, this is what is true of my heart. What I'm hearing, I'm believing. And uh, that's when I was at you and I. In 1997, I heard someone preach Romans 5, 8, John Fuller, and he said, For God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
and I had been on this like trying to clean myself up, trying to make my good works like outweigh my bad so that God would be like, wow, you seem like a good guy, come on into heaven. Um, but instead to recognize like, no, God loved me way too much to have it rely on my actions. He did all of the action so that I could just respond to Romans 5.8. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's God's love. I don't have to clean myself up. His plan was to come himself and clean me up. He spends a lifetime doing that, which I'm not deserving, but he is doing. Amen? Amen. People can come to Jesus in so many different ways, so many different places, but we definitely put value in preaching as a church. It's out of a desire that grace would be given to people as we preach the unsearchable riches of Christ, bringing to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. He is well qualified. Creation. Do you see the mystery of Christ? If you don't see the mystery of Christ, do you want to see it? Do you want to see the mystery of Christ? If so, God is not playing hide-and-go-seek with you. He wants to be found. Would you pray to him today? Would you ask him to open your eyes to Jesus, not just to hear it, but to see it? Paul lived for a while knowing who Jesus was, but not knowing Jesus as the Lord of his life, the one he was now living for, all in. Have you heard of this one? Have you seen him? Has God brought to light for you what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God? Now, look what happens. Verse 10 just goes bananas, okay? So buckle your seatbelt. Um, what happens now is Paul is saying, okay, for those who have heard and those who have seen, when you lock arms together and you're a church together, I want to share what happens. And that's starting in verse 10. So that through the church, so this is a church, so we could say through Sacred Mission Church, okay? So that through Sacred Mission Church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purposes that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. So I don't know if you noticed at the beginning there, it's worth reading again. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So when we're meeting here right now in Collins, Iowa, 2019, at this moment, what Paul is saying is that we are shaking the heavens. In the way that angels were looking over trying to figure out what was going on, that we are shaking the heavens in a way that um, the question as us being a church here, will you devote yourself to shaking the heavens? Okay, so the way that this is written, the way that this is written, it's referring not to angels, but it's referring to fallen angels. So it's referring to demons, Satan and his demons, okay? Which I think 
safely, there are several hundred thousand of them when you read parts of Scripture carefully. And what Paul is saying here, what Ephesians is saying here, is that when we meet as a church and we are singing the things that we're singing, the words that we're singing, we are like the heartbeat of Jesus that is proclaiming to, to not just to us in the room and not just to our community, but we are actually proclaiming to demons even what has happened and what is true and that they are defeated and that we are part of victory. And when we mouth that out and we can, we can triumphantly step into that, and, and what Paul is saying is like, man, when we do that, it is, let me read that one more time. <laughs> Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. There are cosmic things that are happening in this room that we, it's like we don't have the resume to be able to step into a space like that, but our God does who is alive and well and present here, and it's his mission that we're a part of. And so what does that do for us? Verse 12 says, it gives us boldness and access with confidence, not because we're arrogant, not because we think we're special, but because our confidence in our faith in him, our confidence is in our faith in him. It's not for us, it's for him. We're swept into him using our church at this cosmic level. Verse 13 then, look at verse 13, it reminds us that the man writing this, who is writing about shaking the heavens as a living church on planet earth, proclaiming the things of Jesus, our Savior who is alive and well, that this guy has been sitting in a primitive, primitive jail cell for three years. I went to Rome and found the um, Mamertine prison where Paul wrote a lot of his letters, and um, it was a cold, it was cool like today is, and I was just like, hey, I just want to like sit in this thing for like two hours and just like feel, I mean, it was silly because Paul would have been like, dude, you didn't experience anything like I experienced, you know, but to at least like be in there. And that's where like he whispers through the gate. We read in scripture and he's like, hey, can you get me a coat? You know, because they didn't like provide food for them. They didn't provide cable TV, you know, like it was primitive. You're in a hole. And if you want to eat, you hope that you have some friends that can bring you food, you know? And, um, and so he's writing this in this place. Paul is suffering He's really suffering, but he hasn't lost heart. I love how he writes that. Verse 13, so I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 speaks into this too. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So it shouldn't surprise us that when we see our Savior's path, and how life and life to the fullest cost his life. That as we step into that for him to say like, hey, look, I mean, he wasn't like, if you happen to suffer, but he says, so I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you. And then I think by association for us to realize like, scripture is clear too, that, uh, that that's gonna be a path for, for us as well. But for us to realize, like, in light of that, we're stepping into boldness, access, confidence, faith. Because even in the suffering, 
God's going to use that to shine a light to our community, to each other, and to proclaim incredible, beautiful things, even in the heavenly realms. As we walk into that, and his power lets us navigate all of those things. As we see healings, and we see continually calling out to him for those things. So God's showing us through the book of Ephesians the incredible role he graciously allows us to play in his plan of the redemption of humanity. He uses us as a church to shake the heavens through suffering, through pain, it, we can lose heart. We can lose heart there. And I think it's good to even ask yourself, have I lost heart? Have I been like beat down by the world and I'm just like, I just like crawled into this place? Ephesians, Paul, God, us would say, don't give up. Don't settle for less. Press in. Let's lock arms and pray. We were praying for several people before the service even started that God would, would empower them, enliven them in the midst of suffering that we can still walk into a place of boldness and confidence because we've heard the mystery of Christ. We've heard the mystery of Christ. We see the mystery of Christ. And being all in, we know that devoting ourselves is truly shaking the heavens. As our worship team comes up, like where do we go from here? Um, Man, I would just prayerfully just say, you might be drawn to start this relationship with Jesus today. Like the mysteries of Christ might finally be open to you. Your heart might be open to actually see Jesus. And if you would like for the first time, for the first time, or maybe the first time in a long time to give your life to Jesus, um, I just want to say like this isn't a complicated thing to do. Giving your life to Jesus is not a complicated thing. It, uh, it, in some ways, it's super easy for us because it was hard for Jesus. He paid the way so that we can very easily walk into this. And so um, what I'm going to do is lead us in a prayer. So I'm just going to say a prayer and lead us into a prayer. And if what I am saying resonates with you and is true of your heart, what I ask you to do is just pray with me. To God, the, the words don't save. What saves is your heart putting your trust in Jesus as your Savior. Um, and so I'll pray this. It's about six sentences. And if it's true of your heart, uh, pray with me. Jesus, I believe you are the Savior of the world. And you can just pray silently. God hears that. Jesus, I believe you are my Savior. I have sinned. I don't deserve your love. I don't deserve saving. But you are gracious. While I was a sinner, you died for me. I believe you are alive. I want to be yours. I want you to be Lord of my life. I put my trust in you, my Savior. Thank you for saving me. Teach me your ways. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, truly from your heart, I just say share it with someone. Let somebody know.
Um, maybe this morning before you leave, uh, you can share with somebody. And if you hear like people just breaking out and hooting, hollering, and cheering, it's like, what? Um, and, uh, but uh, you could share it with a spouse or a friend on the way home or text somebody. Um, but what I would encourage you to do is to share it with someone because you're going to be formed into this body and we're going to be locking arms with each other, and, uh, and we shouldn't keep that a secret um, so that we can, we can together uh, proclaim these beauties and walk into this with boldness. Uh, for all of us, let's not lose heart. Um, so we're going to take communion uh, today, and uh, as we take communion, I would encourage us to be mindful that um, we may make some demons tremble by taking communion in this place. And let's go for it because of who, who we are communing with as we take communion. So the bread represents Jesus' body victoriously lived in our place. We take it from the inside out. He changes us from the inside out. His blood, uh, the light color is juice, the darker color is wine. Obey your conscience there. Um, the, the wine represents his blood, which was shed for us, washing us white as snow. If you have, have not put your trust in Jesus, um, scripture makes it clear that this is a meal for those who are following Jesus, and uh, you can actually even bring um, bad things upon yourself by stepping into this moment without stepping into Jesus. So what I would encourage you to do is just uh, uh, don't take this, but just take Jesus. Pray to Jesus. And we'd love to do that with you. I'll be around. Other people will be around. You can talk to anybody about that. Uh, but let's respond. Let's respond to Jesus. Uh, then the way that we'll take this is, is go ahead and just rip off some of the bread. And there's a lot of bread. And don't worry if you get like a lot of it and you have to chew it a bunch of times because Jesus didn't hold himself back, okay? He doesn't give us a tiny bit of himself. So it's okay to take, take a, a bunch of it. Don't take the whole thing because we need enough for everybody. Um, uh, then there's quite a bit of liquid there. It's okay if it takes a few drinks because once again, like he didn't part partially shed his blood for us. He lavishes us with, with his victory uh, for us. And so, so let's take that and then just hold on to it and go back. We'll all just keep standing. And then as family, we'll, we'll take it together. So let's come, let's respond.